Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The Roaring Twenties are go. Scotland are undefeated in five and it is bloody good to be back talking to you. As ever, I'm joined by Alan and Matt. Alan, Freya, also unbeaten. Yeah, unbeaten as a Scotland fan and currently with a, a, ne- a sort of less than 50% record with the All Blacks. See, I think there's been three matches and she's, she's only had one win, which is, uh, which is great to be honest. It's really good for the early early days lobbying of making her a Scotland fan, not a uh, a New Zealand fan. So that's uh, that's going well in your household. Yes, I mean whether whether it continues, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But the the dream is is that first Scotland New Zealand game is that first match that Scotland beat New Zealand for the first time ever, following the footsteps of Argentina. At heady days indeed. I'd love to be in your household after that one if Scotland ever beat um, New Zealand. Actually, they were absolutely bonkers. Um, and Matt, how are you, bud? Yeah, good. I mean, watching that uh, the Argentina game, I was kind of pretty excited. And then I just immediately realised that Scotland still had never beaten New Zealand. And we must be one of the only tier one nations that that is still the case. So it was actually quite a kind of sobering event in the end. Do we consider Italy tier one? Uh, increasingly not, but they probably do qualify as tier one. And then would it be? I guess it would be just us and us and Italy then, because I think now every other. I, I never really know exactly whether like people like Fiji, where Fiji sits, but uh, I think outside of um, the top kind of ten. We, us and Italy are sort of the the only two that um, that haven't done it now. 
yeah, tier one is what? Six Nations, Tri-Nations, plus maybe Japan? Yeah, you're right. Italy are in that. So, yeah, rugby championship. So we are losers, but we'll do it. We'll do it for Freya. She'll get that first win out of the Scotland lads, and it's very exciting. Well, that's something for us all to look forward to. Um, Before we get into dissecting Scotland's win against Italy and then looking forward to their next autumn uh, fixture against France, a reminder of where you can keep in touch with us on Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Send us an email the thistle rugby at gmail.com we haven't had sort of ebbs and flows whether people fancy sending us emails but get in there the thistle rugby at gmail.com and please subscribe to the newsletter we've got another banging edition going out tomorrow that's on substack thistle scottish rugby pod um not much by the way of news to talk about um other than to say it's it's really news about the absence of news really scottish rugby if have been uh, getting an awful lot of heat for the delayed publication of their accounts um and they sent out an update at half past five on friday night the night before an in- international to say they're coming soon sort of a classic take out the trash um announcement for the media that only seems to have made the journalists who have been asking the questions of the sru more annoyed Alan, what do you reckon about this one? I think, you know, the actual sort of subject matter itself is is probably completely fair. You know, I I'm at, I I know obviously with COVID and then I know I, I was reading that the sort of financial director there, so you I think has had some sort of significant health issues as well. So there's clearly sort of reasons for why it's delayed. I think there's obviously a feeling that in comparison to the other unions that uh, the SOU have been a bit shoddy in in getting it out and I think just from an optics perspective putting this sort of message out at 5.30 on a Friday before of a big match against Italy just looked like you're trying to sort of bury it a little bit and I just, I'm just i just not really sure what the SOU thought they were going to sort of benefit from And, and is, is it not the case that um, you know the, the statements are obviously delayed and they won't be discussed at the AGM um, because the actual for- it says the formal laying of financial statements will take place later in December. So in reality, you know the the result the accounts were meant to be released in May. You've had that initial delay, which I think is very understandable. But to have yet another delay and them still not actually be ready for the AGM, if I've got my facts right. Uh, I mean, that that doesn't look great. It certainly does not. And it certainly adds to the perception that, uh, whether real or not, the perception of the SRU that they are sort of hiding these these figures away. And I think um, all the time saying that they're under extreme financial difficulty, which I've no doubt is true, but, you know, they should be able to stack that up with uh, their accounts at some stage. So we will keep an eye on when they are actually going to, when they are actually going to appear. And Alan will do his now world famous um, SRU accounts quiz. So that's really why we care. We're just sort of that, that, that's looking like it might be a Christmas episode treat for yeah, everybody. I was, was going to say my, my Christmas present to the people. Exactly, and and, and what a thing to look forward to. Um, 
a really turgid 1872 Christmas edition followed by uh, uh, a quiz about the profit and loss of the SRU. We know we know how to get it done over here. Um, not much else news-wise. It's only it's Monday evening. Obviously, Scotland played on Saturday night. There hasn't been any significant news regarding any Scotland uh, injuries, and we'll come on to talk about any announcements that have come out of France when we preview that game. So, Matt, I'll come to you first, and we'll talk about um, Scotland's uh, win against Italy at the weekend, twenty-eight seventeen in the end. Tries from uh, Big Duhan, Mick Van der Merwe. Uh, Xander Ferguson, Scott Cummings, and um, Turner. Dunkey Weir adding the extras from the tee. Uh, single try from Italy and a few penalties. Um, Matt, give me sort of a 20 seconds overview of your thoughts on the Scotland game from the weekend. Yeah, obviously a pretty slow start. And it wasn't until, you know, apart from a little patch in the first half, it wasn't until kind of the 55, 60 minute mark that I think Scotland's quality started to come through as as the, the Italians started to tire as well. Um, it was pretty nervy for that opening period, but I think I was still pretty confident that if Scotland improved their discipline and got their hands on the ball, then they had you know more than enough to to, to break down Italy. Uh, I think the encouraging things are uh, the impact of the bench and just how you know Scotland managed to overcome what was a pretty tricky encounter. I think that. Italy, to their credit, made life really difficult um, and took their chances well in that in that sort of first half. So, for Scotland to clearly not be at their best, but still in the end come come away with the bonus point win, is a, a pretty good outcome, really. Alan, what did you make of it all? Well, I was going to say, what do you think about um, Peter Wright's comments that this Scotland pack? is, for him, the best pack we've had since the 1984-90 Grand Slams. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, it was interesting. I think um, particularly the front five is kind of one of the strongest I, I can remember for a while. Um, and obviously Richie and Watson, we, we know how well they've been playing. I still think number eight is a position we haven't nailed down. He did mention that as well. Um, I think Blake, Blake Thompson was getting some kind of I saw a few player ratings giving him like a four out of 10. I didn't think he was that bad, um, but he gave quite away quite a few penalties and it just didn't seem as if Scotland, you know, had a way of bringing him into the game and, and sort of making the most of his skills. So you'd like to think that maybe with Matt Ferguson coming in over time, um, you know, that, that would add a lot. Uh, I felt that, you know, if you look at the replacements, like Skinner, Turner, Kebble in particular, um, they all added a lot. But then at the same time, I thought Haining was pretty ineffectual when he came on. So it's just that kind of number eight. Um, and, and maybe actually overall back row depth, um, notwithstanding Skinner, that is the issue. Yeah, I guess it was. It, it felt sort of, especially in that first quarter, like the pack hadn't really shown up. And I think, you know, obviously there was issues in the scrum that appeared to be potentially due to Sutherland's injury, and then also sort of Richie going off with that HIA. But I think one of the questions, marks we've always had, and actually something we were discussing during that first half, is that pack's potential sort of lack of lack of leadership. And I think it appeared anyway that coming out in that second half that, you know, a few of those players, kind of Yazanders, Hamish Watson, Scott Cummings especially, 
really sort of were able to kind of raise their performance up, up to another level because you know that that Italy pack aren't complete jokers, right? And I think it was kind of nice to see that you know obviously we were playing away in Italy, we probably weren't playing our greatest rugby. Italy were probably playing at a level higher than they'd anticipated, and it was nice to see some of these young guys. I know Hamish isn't that young, but from an international kind of standpoint, he's quite young. It was nice to see them sort of be able to sort of take that on board and sort of raise their game in the second half. Yeah, I think you're right. I think just overall, it was it was pleasing to see the team kind of uh, overcome quite a lot of adversity that took place during that first half. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Ritchie going off with an HIA and then the scrum getting pummeled, culminating in Sutherland uh, like limping off. Um, at the same time, you had a referee who was uh, seemingly um, just doing absolutely no favours for Scotland at the breakdown and at the set piece. Um, I, you know, I think that a few years ago, that kind of game, particularly if there was a crowd, I, I don't know if Scotland would maybe have the, the fortitude to, to come back from that. Um, you know, it seems as if Townsend's words at halftime were pretty effective. Um but but you did kind of see that that improvement in the second half, which was which is encouraging. I do like to think we're sort of relatively balanced when it comes to refing performances on on this podcast. But uh, I did I did think Luca Pierce was a little bit sort of off the mark, and, and I actually do normally like like Luke Pierce. Um, but I think you know there was a, there was a few penalties that felt kind of in the general context of how he was refing the game to be quite soft in regard to Scotland. And then I think you know you were banging on this quite a lot, Matt. You know there was a, so many times where it really felt like Italy were kind of giving penalties away at the breakdown and just were not getting pinged for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm just like I can think of a couple of examples where uh, you know Haining made a tackle and made every effort to move away, and then Luke Pierce penalised him seemingly for nothing. Another time when Cummings ripped the ball uh, and then dived on it and it was called offside, which was wrong. And then there was a point, I think, at the end of the first half when Hamish Watson was kind of jackaled over the ball. And Luke Pierce took about five seconds to to ping the Italians for holding on. It was like he was trying to find a reason not to, um, not to penalise them. And then I thought the real kind of, the, the icing on the cake was when Turner crossed for that uh, final try. And... Luke Pierce referred to the TMO because he said he had a funny feeling that Turner had dropped it. And if you look at the replay, an Italian guy comes running in, the winger, I think, and starts making that knock-on sign with his hand. So, I don't know, it just kind of felt like a bit of a, a, bit of a shambles, really. Luke Pierce, conspiracy theories start here. On the, t- on the take from the, the Florence Mafia. Um, I mean, a, a lot of the um, the pre-match discussion, not the Amazon pre-match discussion, which we should come on to talk about, but the actual pre-match discussion in the media was about Duncan Weir. How did you think he equipped himself? For me, it was, you know, pretty poor in the first half, but then sort of seemed to settle and like most of the squad seemed to settle a bit and had a, had a much better performance in the in the second. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. I think on the whole, that, that 9, 10, 12 axis just wasn't particularly working. 
very well, especially throughout throughout the first half. I think Price, you know, Luke wasn't really able to sort of kind of take control of the game. I think Dunkey Ware in that first half almost looked like he was trying a little bit too too much, and I think there was a few passes that sort of went astray, and, and obviously he sort of fell off and um, the tackle for for the Italy try. So, but I think to that point, I think Duncan Ware did come back pretty strong in that second half, and and obviously it was uh, they cancelled out what would have been probably one of Scotland's definitely sort of best tries of the last sort of twelve to eighteen months. Um, oh yeah. So anyway, I thought it was kind of a mixed performance from from Duncan Ware, and I think it's kind of fine against against Italy. But I think if we sort of have that sort of performance again in the first half against France, you might end up getting to a point where you're sort of already too far behind before you're sort of getting into the game. Yeah, I, I, I agree on the whole. I think, you know, the things you'd, you'd expect from Donkey Weir are maybe playing a bit deeper than a Finn or a Hastings, but uh, in doing so, giving himself time and room to, to kick the corners. And he seemed to be sort of trying to play a game that, that wasn't, you know, that he wasn't entirely comfortable with um, and seemed to be throwing as few sort of 50-50 balls. Uh, I suppose the thing is, you'd, you know, we're going to have to, or it seems like he's he's still the man with the, the number 10 jersey for the rest of the autumn. So you'd rather he sort of had his first, hit that bad half bedding in against Italy than, you know, against France. So hopefully it's just kind of a case of him getting used to those surroundings again, playing with that team, which, he, you know, he obviously hasn't played with them for, a long, long time. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like to see maybe a, a bit of a game plan that, that suits his strengths uh, more than we saw against, against Italy. And I think we've sort of talked about it as well is, you know, Sam Johnson did look a little bit like off the pace and, and didn't, didn't look kind of the, the Sam Johnson from sort of maybe uh, early sort of 2019, where he really was kind of at his peak kind of hitting lines. And I think, you know, Duncan Ware probably, hopefully, just an, an extra week of him and Sam Johnson being able to sort of work together will will do absolute wonders for that sort of combo. I thought that when Scotland did manage to to put phases together and show what they could do in attack, um, that kind of more direct approach in the midfield from Johnson and Harris was looked quite good. I thought it was actually playing paying dividends. Um, and when you sort of got the patterns in play and you had the likes of. Uh, Watson and Kebble when he came on in particular, um, sort of running in the in the outside channels. Um, it, w- it was quite impressive. Uh, Duncan Weir did also have that really nice pass for for Duhan on the wing that then led to the Fagerson try. So, yeah, I definitely felt he he came into the game a, a lot more, and hopefully, you sort of saw some signs of what Scotland are trying to do in attack because. We, I, d- I don't know if we've seen that in the last four four or five games, even though Scotland have obviously got the victories. Duncan Ware and Chris Harris for the Lions then? Well, that's that's what I was about to say. I mean, he may have, may get a little bit, bit of a lukewarm reception on this podcast, but Paul O'Connell, Lions legend, has chucked Dunkey straight in at 10 for his Lions team of the week, which um, I think, bite your hand off for it, stop the count. That's it. No, absolutely. I'd love to see Duncan Ware on the plane down to South Africa. I guess, you know, essentially the standard performer and, and someone that I increasingly think will go to South Africa back home. 
there's uh, is Duhan, who again kind of looked like a bit of a duck to water. Yeah, um, I think he, he topped the um, certainly topped the meters made for the um, for the match, and obviously bagged that try. There's a love lovely line, just that sort of creative short line um, to, to sort of break the break the deadlock for that his first try, which I thought was very 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 nice. He had let me have a look, 143 meters carried. Um, which is yeah really impressive, and I've just seen he's been voted the player of the weekend on the um, Autumn Nations Cup Instagram. So just you know he's 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 racking up all of these accolade accolades. How many how many people are voting on that Autumn Nations Cup player of the week? I mean, like I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, I don't know, but Jeff Bezos has got all their info now. That's true. Every time you vote. <laughs> He's just scraping that data. No, I think I think you're you're totally right. Um, it was pleasing that Duhan seemed to be looking for work as well. Uh, just seems to be hungry to get on the ball, and maybe that's uh, due to Townsend basically telling him to. But uh, obviously, the, that line for the try was was really nice, and then he also just kind of showed up in and around the the breakdown quite a lot, and he's just always going to make those those meters. Having him and I think Kebble have just added so much quality to that Scotland team, even if you don't obviously start Kebble, it's looking like he will against France. But he's just, he is an absolute man mountain. You know he's going to hold up the scrum and he's really great in the loose. So I think th- those have been two of the most sort of uh, pleasing squad additions um, in the last year or so. Totally agree. I mean, just having the luxury of bringing on, obviously, seeing um, Roy Sutherland limp off was, you know, pretty devastating. Given the the, the quality he's brought to the side since his return um, at the beginning of the year, but you know, to have the luxury of bringing on a guy like Kebble for the best part of sort of sixty five minutes is such a treat. And then we've already talked about, you know, the quality that a guy like Sam Skinner brings coming off the bench. Um, I think Nick Haining did a, he wasn't he didn't um you know tear up trees but he's a pretty solid addition to bring on there. Um obviously we've got the I think George Turner. Stumel legend George Turner had uh, an incredibly effective um 25 minutes not least with his try. Um and then Sam Hidalgo Klein looked like he sort of slotted back into international rugby as well. So something we talked about on the pod last week that bench now starting to look like something that Scotland actually have as a weapon rather than just, oh Christ, we need another, we need sort of uh, eight more bodies to make up this squad. Can't believe Adalgo Klein got another late match turnover in his own 22. Getting famous for them now. I know, pretty incredible. Do we, um... It's the lid. Gives him super His lid. (laughs) His lid is unbelievable like i've never seen such a razor sharp parting the precision of that parting is unbelievable is he i mean tom evans probably the current holder of best looking player to ever play for scotland but is sam knocking at the door there i reckon i i I, i'd I'd bang sam over over tom (laughs) i think that's a really bold shout I think I think that's a bit punchy. I think he's close, but Tom's pretty good. Yeah, we all like different types, all right? <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. 
But yeah, no, he's, he's, it's good to see him. It'll be interesting to see um, that sort of that bench scrum half slot because obviously Steele was in and has now been dropped. George Horn's been sort of holding that spot for the last two years, but whether Sam can make that his own, um, I suppose he's a different proposition to bring on a George Horn, for example. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No, no, absolutely. I guess, I mean, do we do we think there's going to be, you know, any changes moving into into the game against France this, this, this Sunday? Yeah, so it's looking like Sutherland and Richie are going to be out for the weekend. Uh, on Sutherland, I'd expect Cable to come in, uh, which, you know, as I said, I think he'll, he'll do a pretty good job there. Um, I think that the slight concern is that the next cab off the rank in Scotland's water at loose head is Jamie Batty, who, to be fair, has always done a reasonable job for Scotland, but he hasn't been playing any meaningful rugby um, for, for Edinburgh for seemingly the last kind of year or so. Um, and, you know, he will be up against a, a pretty formidable French pack. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do at Flanker because, you know, the, the options are, I suppose, you either put Nick Haining in again, but I see him as more of an eight. Uh there's potentially you could you could move um, Thompson to six and bring in someone like Conal Dupria, or you just do a straight swap for for Sam Skinner. Um, I'd probably prefer to see Skinner involved, um, and you know I think obviously Rich has been playing so well recently, but Skinner's still a really great guy to put in there. Yeah, agreed. It feels it feels like especially with the size of that. French pack Skinner just gives you that little bit more heft, and I wonder if potentially. I mean, I was wondering if they might even bring in bring in someone like Conor Dupree, who you know, whilst obviously I think Blake Thompson does a few things well, I do think it is noticeable even on Saturday when he's up again, people like Pledry, that he that he doesn't have that that power that you know most kind of international number eights have and I wonder if just having someone like Conor Dupree just gives you um, that ability to sort of manage this, the size of that French pack a little bit more effectively I think that would certainly make sense I, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a clunky segue but I was just reading that um, speaking of number eights Adam Ash has announced that he's moving to join the Los Angeles Guiltinis in the um, Major League Rugby <laughs> that's absolute classic that's um, yeah, 
actually a great move for him to be fair david he says he hopes to expand his um cbd business over in um california that's the place to do it to be fair um oh, good on him yeah i think david, sorry i didn't I, I just i got really excited about that no, um i think uh david dennis is moving there from exeter as well so yeah they're building up a decent team still don't understand the name but yeah pretty good i think the gen is the genesis of the name not just like there's the a rich guy has just decided that that's what he's calling them oh they've got um they've signed dch as well have they yeah oh that's a la for a little bit of rugby that is so good yeah how much um, do you think? How much do you think you're actually getting? They can't be paying that much salary over in that in that major league rugby. The crowds are like pretty terrible. Mm. But fair play. And whilst it's like, I guess I don't know. I was trying to think. I know they've had a pe- some people like Bastero, who I guess if like you're kind of mildly interested in rugby and you lived in I don't know if like New York, you might be like, oh, Bastero's playing. I might go along. Sort of that sort of. David Beckham effect on sort of LA Galaxy. But I guess it's, you know, it feels like Ash and DTH, they're not that, those sort of players, but they're actually probably like really effective players for that standard of rugby. Yeah, I mean, Ash is, what, 28 or so? 29? Yes. Still should have a lot to, to give, but I don't know, maybe the offers aren't that great, particularly in other bits of the world, particularly when I don't know. You 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 combine that like CBD business opportunity in in California. I, I feel like that's what quite a lot of the contracts. That's why how quite a lot of those contracts are positioned for older players, like a Chris Robshaw, for instance. It's kind of it's about the broader opportunities that it might might give them. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's weird as well because the, the the Guiltini isn't actually. It's not even like a real drink. The guy is like an Australian guy who's launched the franchise, has named the team after a, a yet-to-be-launched cocktail. Just love that. God, just give me the confidence of like a multi-multi-millionaire. The, the guy's clearly <laughs> mental. <laughs> but well, I, I, I wish him all the best in launching firstly the Guiltini and then his sports brands off the back of this drink. Unbelievable. Um, a little bit of a segue there, but um, a worthwhile one, I think we can all agree. But should we have a look ahead to um, Sunday, Scotland versus France? Um, the news coming out of the French camp is obviously that um, Roman Inktemac is injured and is not going to play. So we'll probably see Matthew Jalibert playing at 10 for them. And also, when we spoke last week, France, we were hoping France were going to name a uh, basically a second string against Scotland. And that is what initially happened. But then with the cancellation of their game against Fiji, all of the players that, w- that needed a rest week subsequently got their rest week. And they've now gone pretty full bore for Scotland. Taking into account, obviously, what we saw at the weekend against Italy, and everything that we've just discussed. How do you feel about Scotland playing against France this uh, weekend, Matt? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly uh, 
cautious, I suppose, just because France throughout that Six Nations uh, did play really, really well. And we're ultimately a bonus point away from from winning the whole thing. Uh, I think there were quite a few a few mitigating circumstances when we did defeat them, like Intermat going off and obviously that red card. But I, I still think Scotland played very well. Um, but you've kind of got this France squad, particularly the pack, with the likes of Olivon, Willem Sir, Kroos, Bernard Larue, Camichat if he starts who are just on really top form at the moment. Um, and combine that with, you know, DuPont, Intermac, Fakatawa in the back line and, and Fiku as well. Like it's, yeah, it's going to be a really stern test of a Scotland team that ultimately with Sutherland, Ritchie and Russell slash Hastings out are missing like three of their most important players. Um, I, I still think that, you know, the fact that we did beat them at, at Murrayfield is big. The fact that Intermax out is also could be a big factor. Um, but it's going to be a pretty stern test that France are probably fairly confident of winning. I think you sort of look at it in isolation and you look at that French team and you really are like, fucking hell. That is a sort of a bang team and, and almost probably probably the on paper, the best team in the Northern Hemisphere. But given the fact that Scotland have won the last two games against France, it's at home at Murrayfield. I think this Scotland team probably feels a lot more comfortable going up against a France than it would like an England or an Ireland still. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I think, you know, I think ultimately... If that pack, you know, if if Peter Wright is is right, and you know that pack is sort of the best since, since sort of the the nineteen ninety, then it really is on them to sort of be able to sort of step up and, and sort of manage that French pack. And I think you know the, the names you've mentioned, especially Jamie Ritchie, who in that game against France, you know, got MOM and was really able to sort of beat out people like Olivon and Audrey around the breakdown. It's it's kind of hard because obviously Sam Skinner just doesn't give you that, which, you know, that Richie-Watson combo was just so powerful, especially around sort of the breakdown and getting those turnovers to just kind of manage manage that game better than France. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see how France do um, approach the game without Intermac. Because um I think Jalabert is the most likely candidate to step up. But it did seem as if after Intermac went off in that Scotland in that Scotland game, um, back back at the start of the Six Nations, that DuPont was slightly lost at that point. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wonder if you know Intermac is is a kind of it's it's double jeopardy slightly for them that DuPont is nullified slightly because you know, at the moment, he is arguably like the best player in the world. Um, but I think Scotland did a pretty good job of, of containing him, actually, when, when we did play them. Uh, and yeah, I feel like although Italy wasn't perfect, I think Scotland would be pretty happy coming off the back of it that they've been tested physically. They've had a proper run out and have come through it okay. Whereas you know, France didn't have that game against Fiji a couple of weeks off. 
uh, you know, maybe they're approaching the game in a slightly different way. It's time for Chris Harris to uh, reaffirm his Lions credentials by uh, absolutely smashing Vakatawa, man on man. Harris for the Lions is like a juggernaut. I don't know if it can be stopped. There's so much public support behind it. And you know what? He comes across as such a good guy as well. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that, that interview you did with the SEU was really good, actually. So, yeah. The, so the social media team of the Lions would be like, yeah, we need him. We need, need a guy like that that we can put front and centre. <laughs> These are how the big decisions are made. Um, well, that is that's Sunday now. So the Scotland squad will be announced, I believe, on Friday. So follow us on socials at Thistle Rugby Pod, and we'll be giving you the sort of snap reaction to that. Um, so very, very exciting, and hopefully, th- so this could be Scotland's sixth win in a row, which I think is the first time they've done that since. Is it the mid eighties, Alan? Eighty nine, ninety, if I remember correctly. Oh, and so I think they've done it they, really good. Yeah, they've done, they've done it twice, I think. So I think they did it once then, and then once sort of obviously early on in the twentieth century. Wow, certainly something to shoot for. Um, and have you got a wee quiz for us? Uh, I do. Um, it's a very quick one. Relatively sort of, I'd say it's on the more sort of boring end of the sort of Allen quiz spectrum. But uh, we'll we'll bash through it. It's uh, a spectrum that is as well. I know. I I don't think I've ever. I I need. I need to sort of have a think and sort of go back to the old sort of um, Harry Potter character or um, Scottish rugby player quiz of sort of Christmas 2016. But I'll um, I'll I'll try and dig something out um, over the next month. But no. So this on Sunday is the 98th match between Scotland and France. How many matches have Scotland won in the history of Scotland-France battles? 33. Matt? 31. Dave takes it. 38 matches won. That's all right. Out of 97. So then the question to throw back at you, how many losses have Scotland had? So say 38 wins. 97 matches in total. Matt, you go first. Uh, 55. Dave? 48. That's a lot of draws, actually. Yeah, 48. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Matt, absolutely bang on. 38 matches won, 55 losses and three draws. 41% win rate across the history. So I guess one all, 41% win rate across the history of matches. But what do we think the Scotland percentage win rate is in the professional era? So from the the, the end of the 95 World Cup through to right now. Matt Dave, you're up first. Percentage. Um, twenty-two. Matt, twenty-seven. Dave just takes it on twenty-four percent. Oh, right. 
And the final question, five points up for grabs, although two of them have to be bankers or we literally have to end, end the pod. Um, <laughs> how many countries have, uh, sorry, Scotland and France have played each other in five countries? What are those five countries? I'll give you, give you 15 seconds to sort of gather your thoughts. And I think the, some of the answers are probably easier when you actually sort of just sit back and have a think about it. But there is five countries that Scotland and France have played matches in. What are those five countries? Right. Matt, you're up first. Uh, Scotland. Correct. Dave, I'm assuming you've got that. I've got Scotland and I've got France as well, actually, which I'm quite happy with. Matt, next one. Australia. Correct. Oh, 2003 World Cup. And it, what was this? It was like 52-3 or something. Yeah, we got an absolute oh. pumping. Hosing. Didn't Chris Patterson score that like monster drop goal, though, which like gave like a hint? Or was that maybe against Australia? Yeah. Oh, that was against Australia. In the halfway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Did you get that, Dave? Uh, I had Australia, yeah. I don't Next, one. Next one. I don't believe you. Um, um, Come on. I've written, down New, I've written down New Zealand here, but I don't think it's right. Matt, did you have New Zealand? I didn't, actually. New Zealand is correct. Uh-huh. Uh, 1987 Rugby World Cup, Scotland yeah. played France. Lovely. And, and then final one. Matt? Is it South Africa? Dave? I didn't have any more written down. It was 1995 World Cup when Intermac Senior scored the winning try in the group stages. Of course. And so I think that's that's four all and Dave was 2-1 up. So Dave takes it 6-5. Wow, there you go. The, ro- the Roaring Twenties indeed. I know. The Roaring Twenties is so alive and kicking. Yeah. Like this, this is Scotland's decade. If the, if the Scottish football team had beaten Slovakia last night, I would have fully believed it. <laughs> nah, no one cares. <laughs> Andy, yeah. Andy Murray's going to come back. Team. He's going to win Wimbledon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Scottish football team were all absolutely hanging balls as well. Like You can't ask them to do... A Thursday night sesh and then play a game on Sunday as well. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Chris Hoy is going to come out of retirement probably, win like something at the the Tokyo Olympics. It's going to be un- un- unreal. Ro- Rona Martin's going to come back to curling. <laughs> <laughs> Although actually, we've um, got Eve Muirhead, so she we've already got curling sewn up. Yes, so great to get Rona back on the ice. No. It's. Uh, I actually saw Rona Martin was a uh, was a pointless answer on Pointless a few weeks ago. It was okay. uh, name a name a UK flag bearer, and uh, she obviously did it for one of the Winter Olympics. Oh, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually think think of her as an answer. I didn't really think. Of, I was think, trying to think more of like Summer Olympics, but it would have been a good one. Wow. What's uh, is it Edinburgh Leinster starts in five minutes? What's our what's our predictions? Oh goody! Well, what's the you were saying earlier that you've got you've got a bit of bit of money on the line, Alan? I I'm backing. I know Edinburgh have had a pretty had a pretty turgid start to the um, 
to the year. But obviously, they kind of won their last two. And whilst I don't think Edinburgh are going to beat Leinster away, I don't think this Leinster, this Edinburgh team and Cockrell in general is just going to put out a team that's going to get absolutely pumped. So what, what I did do is that the spread on Betfair is 21 points. So they're, they're expecting Leinster to win by 21. And I put money on a... Edinburgh to to win with with their obviously a twenty one point lead, and then I've, what I've also put money on is the total points they've got is fifty one, and so I put money on there to be less than fifty one points in the match because not only do I think there's just not going to be a lot of points in it, especially from an Edinburgh perspective, but also it's been the weather's been looking a bit crap in in Dublin, so I, I don't expect there to be to be many points. Been done, but I, I'm I'm almost certainly going to be wrong, and Leinster are going to win like fifty five, like seven. So should be alright. That's not my prediction. No. <laughs> You're on a hot streak with your bets as well. So I am DJ. What a man! Absolute yeah. DJ and Biden are absolutely coming through for me. In a great Freya's trust fund is absolutely kicked off with a bang. <laughs> Just going to yeah, hand her. Hand her Hand her over my Betfair account when she turns eighteen. Whatever's in it is what she gets. <laughs> and that and that tenant's uh, advent calendar as well. Yes, exactly. Oh, the tenant's advent calendar. How good! It's not just talking nonsense now, but how brilliant is that? <laughs> there's going to be a there's going to be a, a, a sponsorship deal with uh, with the tenants and the thistle. Yeah, we can, yeah. The days of Christmas brought to you. Of, of kind of Scottish rugby brought to you by tenants. Yeah, I mean, we probably shouldn't be saying that, seeing as I think we are still technically sponsored by Beer 52. So, but, uh, you know, you've got to, when the king comes calling, <laughs> you you got to say bye-bye to Beer 52. But, but uh, while we are, while we're still working with them, you might as well go on to beer52.com forward slash the thistle and get yourself um, some beers for four ninety five. 10 beers delivered straight to your door. An absolute bargain. Any idea what type of beers, mate? I don't know what they are. This I had some uh, delicious German Weiss beers in my last box. Um, and they were, yeah, they were all right. You know, if you want a ringing endorsement, that's it. Nice. Right. Shall we call it an evening then, chaps? By the time yes. this, uh, this podcast is with you, you will know if Alan has made his fortunes for Freya on the Edinburgh Leinster game. So, um, but as I say, um, keep in touch with us. Sign up to the newsletter. That's Substack Thistle Scottish Rugby Pod. Check us out on socials around Friday, in particular for the um, squad announcement. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter and Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod on Instagram. And send us an email anytime you bloody like. That's the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com and we will speak to you very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.